0: You're listening to the Swap Moto Live podcast show, brought to you by our friends at Ogeo. Hey, you're listening to the Swap Moto Live podcast, presented by Ogeo. Today's subject is the 2019 Suzuki RMZ250, which is uh, actually a bike that uh, Suzuki flew some journalists to Japan for, um, I'd say two months ago. And, uh, we sent Pat Foster to Japan to go test ride it. Um, as luck would have it in Japan, it rained. And so they tested the bike on a muddy sand track. Um, Pat did come back with a good impression of the bike, um, which ran in the magazine already, but, um, we were allowed to pick the machine up this morning. Uh, it is Tuesday, um, uh, December 3rd, I believe, and, uh, 4th. And, uh, we took it straight to Clear Creek uh, motocross park and uh, rode it at the Inside Line Connect media camp ride day um, where uh, journalists were invited to come interact with uh, several key advertisers that Inside Line Connect represents. So I was joined today at the track by uh, uh, one of the original Transworld motocross test riders turned KTM R&D rider uh mike sleeter and he's returned to the fold here at transworld and i'm i for one am like super pumped about it and uh today was uh was it our first day working together officially uh we did the yamaha the 19 oh, four the yamaha intro yeah, and yeah, then yeah. i
1: ran out of talent on my mountain bike yeah. and I had to take a four month break
0: okay yeah so <laughs> sleeter uh was racing an enduro at big bear and endoed big time into the face of another jump and broke his entire body up and uh so today was actually your first day back on the track correct
1: yeah first day back on a dirt bike um kind of just took my time getting back to where my body felt where I could ride how I wanted to ride and where I could have fun and I was extremely excited to get out there with the industry and back with the team and something that I was had to be postponed We, we had a lot more planned but ramping up with this 250 projects and for the shootout and to be able to ride the uh 2019 RMZ 250 after hearing what Pat had to say I was I was excited for sure
0: yeah so um it's been kind of an odd year it's here it is December and uh we only took our first ride on the 2019 CRF 250R Honda last week actually and uh so the Honda and the Suzuki 250s are really late um you know, there's a good chance that many consumers have already bought other brands, but I know that for sure there's some diehard Suzuki fans out there that have been waiting. And, uh, you know, the bike's here now, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it's on d- uh, dealership floor soon, but um, it was exciting for me to get my first ride on it today, um, you know, because obviously Pat rode it in Japan, but that was in Japan and adverse conditions, so... Uh, We rode at Quea Creek today, which is at 4,500 feet elevation, so pretty much no 250F's going to feel like a super rocket ship up there, but um, I think both of us came away pleasantly surprised with the bike, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, as far as the motor goes, they've updated their cylinder head and did the twin injectors, so I wasn't expecting a huge power increase, I was hoping to feel more livelier and have some, obviously, more power, and it did both that. Uh, the ecu mapping when we first took off like you said at the elevation uh it was pleasantly good it mm-hmm. was didn't backfire or spit had a good tone on the muffler um i felt instantly comfortable on the chassis and the motor pulled me along great that they nailed the gearing i feel the gearing on the uh bike was right at home it, it revved well um and it had good torque i would it didn't I wouldn't say it blew my wig off but it wasn't it didn't let me down either if I yeah. it was it was a good running motorcycle.
0: I think it's uh it's a marked improvement over the 18 bike which is pretty uninspiring to be to be pretty honest uh the the 18 RMZ 250 was not fast but, yeah
1: um, it was it was a dinosaur in the class. Yeah. I think um this bike's going to you know, if you're a Suzuki lover and you'd like to dial your bike in personally to yourself, because let's let's be real, no one in the 250F class is riding them standard at a high level. Yeah, they're doing they're doing their own personal, you know, engine guy. And I think the platform that Suzuki's delivered is 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 something that's definitely you're going to see um, privateers and other riders that you know JGRs on those bikes, mm-hmm. and I think you'll see them. With a good platform. Yeah.
0: So, you were talking about the gearing being right. Like, one of the first things I do as as a heavier vet guy is I always go one tooth bigger on the sprocket. But when you mentioned that, I was thinking about it, and I think one tooth would certainly wake it up down low, but it might rob from the top. So, I would say the bike had plenty for me today. Yeah. Um, I've been spending a lot of time on the 2019 Yamaha YZ250F and... I mean, let's be honest, that thing's kind of a monster. <laughs> that's, that, that's, and, the,
1: that's the um, staple of the 250. Yeah, I think,
0: motor. Uh, I, we, you know, our 250 shootout is coming up. Day one of our 250 shootout is uh, Monday the 17th. Um, I've got my own ideas about where things stand, but, you know, compared to all the other bikes. So today at Cahuilla, we also had the 2019 Kawasaki KX250F and the Honda CR250R with us for comparison's sake. And I would say that the Suzuki was right in the hunt with the other two bikes.
1: I I agree. I think um, it's going to come down to, uh, I mean, I feel as a motor package, the Suzuki was more rider-friendly. Like, compared to the Honda, the Honda was more of an upper-novice, upper fast-intermediate-type motor. Mm-hmm. Where the Suzuki had a, had a little more torque and a little more mid. It kind of tapered off up top. But after, you know, you changed that um, ECU. Yeah, yeah,
0: we changed the coupler to the lean coupler.
1: Yeah, lean coupler, and that cleaned up that top end, got a little more over rev. Still not like the Honda, but it it had its own character, and the character was not bad, that's for Mm -hmm. sure. It had a fun character. Um, I spent, obviously, years on KTM's, a lot of time at Kahia and I I have a good gauge of the jumps. And I wasn't KTM with one of the more powerful engines, especially up top. The Suzuki didn't have any problem getting over jumps that, I jumped on the KTM so yeah. I'm interested to see um, you know that extra bottom in that response will that come into play down at sea level against the you know the like we said we know the Yamaha is the standard for power mm-hmm. but everyone else I think um, the Suzuki might have snuck up on some people
0: yeah so okay so as a uh, as a former like high level R&D rider you um, it's funny. There's things that we take for granted now, like these adjustable fuel maps and stuff like that. The Yamaha, I'd say, is leading the way with the app. Yep. The Power Tuner app is just amazing. Um, but, I mean, the Suzuki's got couplers, a leaner and a richer coupler than standard. But, I mean, you can effectively change the way your bike responds at the throttle by plugging this little clip in. So, I mean, when you're an R&D guy at KTM and uh you know the ktm obviously has the the map switches and stuff but how much emphasis was put on developing different maps that really felt different from one another
1: um th- there was a lot of uh a lot of t- a lot of time put into that a lot, big group that specializes specializes just in um efi there's an efi group mm-hmm. so um they have to understand that the, the software from the manufacturer they purchased their their throttle body and their ecu from obviously and there's so much emphasis on delivery um the problems i think oems face is whether you're a japanese model or an austrian model you have different testing groups mm-hmm. over there in uh, in austria they have they test a lot on gp style tracks that are hard as a rock so yeah you find that sometimes the mapping's a little lethargic with the austrian model because they don't want it to hit heavy Mm-hmm. on like the soil that's more you know north american based yep. where the japanese bikes they seem to be more quicker responsive they ride tighter tracks i haven't ridden that soil over there so i, I don't have a reference but they seem to have the a leg up on their mapping they run a little more aggressive mapping mm-hmm. and i think like you said it's not on a button but effectively you did that with your helmet and gear on change the coupler yeah. so i mean it it i mean what's that cost of the bike is it is that keeping the cost down by just manually changing a coupler with the so i'm okay with that
0: yeah you know what's funny is when pat foster and i rode the honda last week we were joking around because you know honda's got a button it's standard and then it's traction slash mellow and then three is fast we were like why even put one and two in there man let's just put the fast all the time but there are applications where those other two are better, right? And, right. And or riders that…
1: Yeah, are, I mean, you've… On the 350, that, that was pretty aggressive yourself. I remember you asking me questions about the 350, and I would run it in aggressive. But you had liked it with aggressive traction control, I believe. Yeah. So, like, a, a milestone when it got slippery, you'd run the traction control. And it, it, the traction control and the slower maps, you know, you're retarding timing and less fuel. and. You're not really, and they have to have parameters that it doesn't blow up the bike and get too crazy. So yeah. I'd say they're at max 10% at the most between the, the settings. But I think the riders, they do feel that they can adjust their bike to their, their own personal riding styles without spending $800 on the mm-hmm. Vortex. So it is a nice feature.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I, when I changed that coupler today, I went out and I felt that the bike revved further before flattening out is that the same thing that you thought yeah
1: it, like you said to me like man i'm surprised that it you know after changing the coupler that you thought it would just make it cleaner and snappier off the bottom but yeah. maybe that coupler was to to get it um, we don't know exactly where it changed on the on the map mm-hmm. but to me it, it was definitely up top it gave it a, like another half or 500 rpm up top and the, it carried the rpm higher so it's kind of like dropping a main jet on your carb you know from a 200 to a 180 you're gonna get a little leaner up top maybe i feel that that coupler gave it a little more like cleaner over rev up top for Mm -hmm. sure
0: yeah and then leaner at kawiyo would make sense too because we're at elevation so okay so our verdict on the 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 engine of the rmz 250 is it's it's better than last year's it's better than better than the last five you know
1: it's the best rmz 250 engine to date
0: yes yes so well, I, we have to address the most disappointing part of it, the kickstarter. kickstarter. Yeah. Okay, so even so, when I changed to the lean coupler, the thing wouldn't start, right? No, can... I, I was kicking it and kicking it, and I was doing the four-stroke thing where I don't touch the throttle. Yep. I'm kicking it, and the light on the, the, um, the kill switch was flashing, so I'm like, oh, something's wrong. <laughs> so I pulled the coupler back off. Blew on it with my mouth, plugged it back in, kicked it and kicked it and kicked it. out. I was ready to just throw the thing on the ground and walk away, and then you came over and said, "Oh, you have to gas it a little bit."
1: Yeah, like I second had,
0: kick fired up.
1: Yeah, so like it's weird that um, I've had um, other bikes when you mess with the ECU, they almost need a little squirt of fuel, which, mm-hmm. which like you said, the stereotypical mo for a four stroke is don't touch the throttle. Yeah, but it's kind of changed. So you gave it a little squirt, bam, at first kick it started right up. So if you go to that leaner coupler on your RMZ250, don't be afraid to give a little, little like throttle when you kick it, it helps it start up.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so you've been a KTM R&D guy for many years. The the electric start, man, I mean, it, it took the other manufacturers so long to catch on right oh gosh and They've then got now, hated
1: on, they got hated on that brand got ktm got yeah. absolutely slaughtered because of that
0: yeah it cracks me up because we'll post things on our website and people write stupid shit like i ain't riding no bike i don't kick you have to you know yeah if i can't kick start it i ain't riding it you know acting like electric starts sissy stuff you know yep. but, but hey man the right now the two suzuki's are the only bikes you have to kick start right So, man, I I really hope that's on the plan for next year. It's evolved. You know, I mean, it's really, I mean, I I got on the bike and put my thumb on the right side of the handlebar looking for the button. I mean, yeah, call me spoiler or whatever, but you know what? The thing wasn't an easy start with the Kickstarter.
1: Let's just say, um, as a rider now, I wish all bikes had it, but if I'm a consumer, let's just, I don't know the MSRP on that Suzuki, Let's hope those things that aren't on it, like the traction control and the EFI settings and the electric start, let's hope that bears entry in that model yeah. is that much cheaper where maybe we'll get some riders buying that bike that might not have bought a new bike because of the technology. Yeah. If it's the same price, they're missing the mark for sure, I think. Yeah. If it's the same price as a Yamaha or Honda when it doesn't have those features and benefits, I think that's going to be a tough sale.
0: Mm-hmm. So the engine, I believe save for the new cylinder head and the dual uh, spray throttle body, is the same basic power plant, right? So there's tuners out there that know how to get a lot of power out of that thing. Yep. When I was in Paris, I was joking around with Justin Hill, you know, like, hey, how pumped are you to be on a 450 now not to ride that that bike? And he's all, hey, dude, I rode the new one. He He said that he rode Alex Martin's bike, and he said he couldn't believe how fast it was. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how that team does.
1: Yeah, you know, Chris Wheeler and 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 all those guys at Suzuki have been putting in some, I think, some long, long hours trying to make that happen. And I think uh, Alex Martin, uh, he looked really good on the Yamaha. I personally don't think he looked very good on the KTM. He looked small and stiff,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but he looks real aesthetically. I've never seen him ride it in person, but aesthetically in photos,
0: yeah, he looks like he fits. The bike he fits on. the
1: bike better, and it's not any smaller it just it, certain bikes fit certain people so to have suzuki with a 250f presence and um some good riders I, I i'm anxious to see that thing in action
0: okay all right so we covered the engine what did you think about the feel of the chassis the suspension the way the bike yeah
1: so right away i i the track was i was probably like third or Third or fourth guy on the track today. It was great prep. Bikeyhia is loamy. We just had some rain, so it was pretty much optimum conditions for a yeah. And I was riding it, and I'm 165 pounds. Um, and I, I should have be able to get a bike to a 250F to move around a lot, a little bit wally, because it's set up for about a 145 to 160 novice intermediate level rider. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a faster rider and a little heavier, it's, it should be too soft for me in an instance. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. It was like. <laughs> It was like a setting that I would present Alex Martin for like an outdoor national. It, yeah. That's how that's how firm it was. But it also worked really well. So for Mike Sleader at 165 and my ability, I was abs- having an absolute blast putting the bike in some predicaments that I knew the bike would handle. But I do think they missed the target weight range. Weight range, yeah. Weight range. I, I think if, it's It's
0: like a bike that's made for the racer.
1: Yeah, which is, is not typical for Suzuki. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking to take a Suzuki and go racing and you're 150 to 165 fast, you should leave it as it is and check it out. Like yeah. you might be able to tune Like there's it.
0: some guys that take their suspension off and send it off before. Yeah. So
1: if you're, it's pretty if, you're stiff. if it's pretty firm and it's, um, the shock is really firm as well, but it's comfortable. Yeah. The fork is really firm. Um, but on slap downs, it's pretty harsh. Like yeah. it's, it's got a harsh feel in my hands um under braking under load it, it handles really well stability chassis wise i really had no chassis complaints it, it turned like a suzuki which mm-hmm. was great with the new chassis but it was a a firm firm setup um you went out two clicks on the forks that seemed to help initially but it still ramped up pretty hard in the mid midstream yeah
0: so uh i started the day on the crf 250r which is you know it's it's probably too soft for me i weigh 175 um But I liked it because it's comfortable, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It got a little bit busy in some places, but I was all right with it. I trusted it because I rode the Honda last year quite a bit and familiar with that handling, the handling of that bike. So when I got on the Suzuki and went out, you know, it's smart to do a couple, one or two siding laps to figure out how the bike feels and everything. And it's funny, I went out. And I was telling you earlier that one year before Day in the Dirt, my brother accidentally gave me Kyle Chisholm Supercross forks. And I rode practice day with these Supercross forks on and I couldn't figure out why they didn't move. That was almost how they felt to me at like a farting around pace, you know. Uh, The first thing I thought was like, something's wrong with the forks. and The second thing I thought was like, man... Are these twin wall handlebars? And I looked. (laughs) But no, they're fat bars. Um, But it's funny. I was thinking about pulling in after my first lap and going, what's wrong with these forks? And like checking the clickers and going in and out, going out on them quite a bit. But uh, I I just kept riding. And as I got more comfortable with the bike and tried harder and reached my my comfortable race pace, the bike worked great. I mean, the harder you ride it, the better it works. Clearly. But it was not comfortable by any means up front um it was funny because there was a couple jumps where i uh, came up short or slammed into the face of a time rhythm section poorly and it was like when it happened though i was like oh these things are so stiff it'll be good and it it was great you know yep. you know that one section the left turn with the double double yeah yeah i slammed in the face of that third jump for the third, you know, third bump really hard and it was just like butter you know poof
1: yeah that's the section that i felt after when you took off on the suzuki i went to the honda to make sure my reference was correct on what i was feeling and i did exactly that and that 250f honda wanted the cr wanted to wallow yeah the fork fork dove real quick so it confirmed that the suzuki handled really great for me Mm -hmm. but also confirmed that it was a lot stiffer than the the baseline of a honda i'm not saying that honda is the baseline but from the, two, the other 250Fs that I've worked on and developed, I would set that 250F Suzuki a little softer for the consumer.
0: Yeah. So uh, I'd say as a whole, the bike you know has a very firm feel. Uh, the, the shock for me wasn't offensively stiff. No, you know, it wasn't harsh. The, it got the traction. fork was gnarly. Um, we went out two on the clickers, and, and that helped a little bit. Um, the issue I had with the fork was that For me, it didn't allow the Suzuki to corner as great as it should. Um, That right-handed rut before the downhill finish line jump, the Honda would settle into that and carve through, Um, but then it would kind of (laughs) boom coming out, whereas the Suzuki wouldn't settle into there and carve the corner really well, but then the Suzuki had better low-end throttle response would power out better. But um, I think because the fork was... Set up so stiffly, it didn't settle in in the corners for me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I, I'm more of a trail brake guy, so I dragged the front brake deep into the turn. Mm-hmm. So the Honda, compared to the Suzuki, I was having a front and tuck, mm-hmm. and I, like yeah. So, so for it makes perfect sense. Don and I are about like eight to ten seconds a lot difference in speed, probably.
0: Come <laughs> on, oh, more than that.
1: But anyhow, <laughs> whatever the speed difference is, the it, the the feedback correlated to what we were feeling. I would come in deeper and harder. And the Honda would want to dive and tuck, but it should for the target weight. Where yeah. the Suzuki worked really good for me, and it shouldn't work that good at my speed and and um, weight. So, like I said, if you're if you're a, an intermediate pro level rider or a little heavier, give that Suzuki a go and stop trim and make mm-hmm. sure. And even if you're lighter, if you like your stiff firm and because firm is safe, yeah. but it's it's a little harsh in that front end. Yeah. But definitely give it – I think give that Suzuki 250F a – don't just drop it off at, you know, your local suspension guy or ship it away. Give it a – I recommend it on all bikes. Ride them standard for, I'd say, four to five rides and find out what works great on them.
0: Yeah, and experiment with the clickers.
1: Yeah, because they all are built so – they have such good people developing these bikes at every OEM and really find out what you like about it and what you dislike. So when you can tell – you know, Enzo and Factor Connection and all, and all these companies who do your stuff. I really like what the bike does here, but I want to improve this. Mm-hmm. So the Suzuki, that being said, I would prefer it being a little more comfortable on the fork, on slap downs and initial touch.
0: Yeah. You know, when I first uh, went out on the Suzuki, I was jumping kind of nose high. Yeah, I think that's because the fork wasn't compressing. completely. So I started riding a little bit more forward on the face of the jumps, and like, like that finish line downhill jump, Yep, I was leaning forward into that to get it to level out a little bit. Absolutely. So, well hey Mike, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and when we come back, we'll uh, talk about the rest of the bike. Ogeo's been around for three decades, but it was in 2001 that the brand forever changed the way we all think about gear bags. with never seen before features, like specific storage compartments for your boots, goggles, helmets, and more, the Ogeo 9800 is the most popular gear bag in motocross. Visit ogeopowersports.com.
1: What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is
0: cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy's Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey, what's up guys? Malcolm Stewart. This soft season, I've been training harder than ever getting ready for 2019. And I've been using Rhino Power Supplements before, during, and after my training and has made a big difference, especially the motivation pills. Use SWATmoto as your discount code at checkout for 10% off your purchase, plus free shipping on rhinopower.com. All right, you're back with the SWATmoto Live podcast show. I'm here with Mike Sleater, Transroad Motocross Tester, Editor-in-Chief of My Two-Wheel Life, right?
1: Yeah, my <laughs> hobby. <laughs> but, uh,
0: but yeah, so we spent some time on the uh, 2019 RMZ250 today. And we were both pleasantly surprised with uh, with how well it worked. So, um, hey, what did you think about the ergos of the bike? I thought it was really comfortable and it was really thin between my legs. I thought, skinny.
1: I, I, I loved them. I didn't have a complaint on the ergos. The seat was firm, but it was comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. it was firm and I could move around on it, but I I sat on it. The, the, the shrouds were, were – everything fit. My legs were – slid right across i didn't catch anything um the, the fenders were really firm like so when when i say firm fenders like i didn't f- see the front fender Flapping bouncing around. flopping yeah. around yeah and that it's a good design uh, honestly I, i'm gonna say it the suzuki is my f- aesthetically favorite looking production bike
0: yeah it looks good it I, looks you, good just that little bit of fluorescent orange makes yeah the bike look cool. it looks
1: really good and the fork color is really good mm-hmm. um they've, they've really done a great job aesthetically so i was excited to ride it and feel it and the peg to seat height i've noticed is um i'm getting more picky about that because i rode the ktm husky varnas for so many years and then i'd reference japanese bikes and then i get off get back on the ktm i felt cramped so now i'm very picky about the seat to foot peg to bar triangle mm-hmm. and that suzuki 250f i'm not very tall i'm only 5 and i i I felt really good. I didn't feel cramped. I didn't feel like I was stretched out. So um, the ergos were, I think, on point. I really didn't have a complaint with them.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, I thought everything was really comfortable about. The belt. Like I didn't just, just the way the shifters delivered, the brake pedal height, everything. You know, did you notice when you rode the Honda versus the Suzuki? They both come with Renthal fat bars. The Suzuki felt like the bars were wider. Too.
1: Yeah, they did. They they. I, I don't know if it was the the, the fork width, you know, like the maybe the fork width in the clamp from middle fork to middle forks wider, so it gave you the illusion or not. would Be interesting to measure like their their track width on that on the axle width. Yeah, but maybe maybe that was it, or the, even the fender um, like laid back. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the Suzuki the look is good, the ergos are mm-hmm. good. Um, I think they did a good job of uh, uh, they kind of downplayed it. I'm stoked they didn't like the Two years ago, the first 450, the new updated 450, they made it sound all new, and it was lackluster. I think this one, they played it safer mm-hmm. and didn't go up, like, claiming any big numbers or any big things, and I think we're surprised.
0: Yeah. You know what? uh what, you, Have you ridden the the, the 18 RMZ two, 450? Uh Yeah. Okay, so that bike... Is strange. I mean, the, it, the it's changed system. a little bit. Yeah, that that BFRC show rear shock is a little bit cuckoo for me. Hard to set up. Hard to predict. Um, the the 250 RMZ comes with KYB suspension, a coil spring fork. Thank God. I mean i I'd, I'd like to erase the air fork <laughs> era from my memory. You know, like yeah, especially yeah, the yeah. triple air chamber ones. Um, but it's a it's a coil spring. K Y B fork, springs in both sides, compression and rebound in both sides. it's, yep. it's old school,
1: really <laughs> consumer friendly. I mean, your guy down the street can probably make that thing mess it up and it'll still be good.
0: Yeah. Um, what about uh, <laughs> what about the brakes? Like, uh, yeah,
1: that, that's a thing. I did tell you right away. I was like, man, I got it used to the lack of brake power. I'm yeah, coming from years of K T M stuff. Um. There's two things with that though. I think the brake would have helped me stop quicker, obviously, mm-hmm. but it also make the forks move better. Yeah, I think people forget when the, the if you ever run a Brembo or a big rotor or whatever you're to make better braking power. The harder you're braking, the quicker your fork movement is. It's gonna make a big chassis pitch. So if I had a better braking i think the fork would have probably moved another 10 mil under mm-hmm. braking so think of that too when you're setting a bike up the more power you bring put on your power of brake you put on your bike you might have to compromise you might have to adjust your fork as well so um i i would have liked a little more braking power on the bike um is it as good as the ktm brakes no the brimbros is as it, is it good as the cowies and the honda yeah i don't think it's it's off those But um, I would like a little more braking power on
0: it. Yeah, when you came off of it and mentioned the lack of front brake power, I went out and I thought about it, and it didn't seem to bother me. I think maybe a faster, more advanced rider relies more on the front brake than a guy of my level. But um, it didn't stand out that it was poor. Like, there's other bikes that I don't like the front brake. Yep. Um, I like that, like... It's a shitty habit, but I drag my rear. I didn't have any problems with the rear brake overheating or squealing or making noise or anything.
1: Yeah, neither did I, and I do, I'm a brake dragger as well. Yeah. My KTMs, if you hear, see any YouTube videos of me on a two-stroke, you hear this <laughs> back brake almost as much
0: as the motor. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, the RMZ250, proportionately, compared to the RMZ450, is, is more in the hunt, I think.
1: I, I agree. I think the um RMZ two fifty I'm excited for the shootout because mm-hmm. I think I have my preconceived notions of where I think bikes will stack up mm-hmm. and this kinda threw me for a bit of a, a tailspin. I yeah. think um, uh, it it's gonna be interesting to see um when we get out there on the seventeenth what where this bike fits in and where other bikes get shuffled around I think it's it's I think it's a little bit of a sleeper
0: hmm yeah i'm uh i'm excited to spend a little bit more time on it you know what one other thing i was kind of pumped on is, is the bike comes with dunlop mx 33s I, I really am a fan of that tire especially the front yep um you know sometimes they come with a wacky production tire that's not
1: yeah yeah it's hard to fight that fight as an oem so it's cool to see that they 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 put their foot down and got a good tire
0: on it hmm Okay, so touching into your uh, uh, experience as a production test rider, um, you know, it'd probably be easy to just make the fastest, most badass bike, but you have to kind of target the bike for the average guy, right? I mean, that's why there's a target weight range for suspension. I mean, same thing for the engine. It's like you can't make a bike too fast because then everyone can't ride it, right?
1: Yeah, and the cost, right? The cost of the production cost, reliability. I think... Um, I can say for KTM, people are scared if the, if it's not fast right away mm-hmm. like out of the crate, they don't want it because they didn't know there's who's a good engine builder. Where you know, five six years ago when the Cowie was the bike to have in 250F, it wasn't a rocket ship, but they knew Mitch could build a good engine, so they like mm-hmm. they gave it the benefit of a doubt. So you have to have that that fine line. Um, more power is not better, like you said. So the. The average guy, um, this 250F, the RMZ, I, I jumped every jump I could hit, even the triple step up up the back. It's like 124 mm-hmm. feet in wind. How much power does the average guy that likes to ride a 250F really need, and how much does he want to work on it? Yeah, right. We put pump gas in there, for, you know, 380 a gallon or 370 a gallon, and mm-hmm. we rode it all day. We weren't checking valves and worrying about a time clock. So, I think from my standpoint, the you gotta really Um, with performance, weigh out how much you want to work on it and the parts going in. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, I think where the 250F stands on a production level really comes down to the ECU, the tuning of the ECU and how much time they're putting into that and then the the delivery of the power. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, the Suzuki's got a a good broad range um, of power and the Honda's more top-end. And the KTMs were linear, linear and top end. So I think you need to get some of some excitement mm-hmm. um, out of the motors to, to get that wow factor.
0: Yeah. Hey, one thing we forgot to touch on is uh, I thought the clutch and the transmission felt really, really nice. Yeah. You know, you're a hydraulic clutch for years guy.
1: Yeah, it didn't with, fade on me today. Yeah. The, and that's the same bottom end. So they haven't really updated the, the clutch. So I yeah. am um, i don't know about the trainees. I know they had problems in the past with transmissions. I think they've updated that, um, but I had a the shifter. I left it in the standard position mm-hmm. um, and didn't have any problems. Fourth gear was kind of tricky sometimes, but then again, I was a bit rusty. So overall, the clutch. I didn't have. I never rolled the adjuster today, back or forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I am used to a, a hydraulic clutch, so that was a pleasant surprise. And I was swinging off the clutch trying to bury that thing <laughs> in the in the worms. <laughs>
0: I was was making a lot of noise. (laughs) But uh, one one thing I should point out, and it's the same for the existing uh, RMZ450, the 18. Uh, I put the number plate backings on it last night, and it was, what, probably like 40 degrees. Uh, the, The side panels have really nice flat or angular shapes. And I got the number plates, all three of them on, without a hairdryer. Without a heat gun, slapped them on, and they didn't come up for lasagna this morning because there was no round edges per se. So, yeah, I think Suzuki did a good job designing this bike because uh, it, it accepts graphics and yeah, the, the, the,
1: the design team actually talked to the riders. Yeah, dude, once. do you remember
0: the original YZ 426? Yeah, I had one with the round side panel.
1: <laughs> I think I in, I think I actually painted my side bent for Mammoth with One Year black or yellow and put black yeah. numbers on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny the things that that you think about like that. Like yeah, yeah ease of, ease of graphics. Yeah, installation.
1: graphic insulation. Um, uh, seat foams. hmm Um, the flexing of the front fender when Andrew Short came to KTM in 2011, I believe it was on the 350. He hated the front fender because it moved around and flopped yeah. a lot. I was so used to it didn't even I didn't even take notice to it to be honest yeah. and once he said something about it i was I had a conniption because I now I could think about it was the front fender and they fixed it now but the, it's little things like that that you get used to or you come from other bikes and and it's always good to ride other other equipment to see where it's at
0: yeah hey, touching back a little bit on your your production testing experience like Some bikes respond very well to aftermarket exhaust, and then other bikes—it's hard to beat the stalker, right? Oh, but like when you're like doing production testing, is it kind of like you have to go for a certain one because it's quiet, or you know, regulations, or
1: we would always try to get the best performing exhaust first, and Mm -hmm. then have it comply to all the all the rules. Yeah. So that was the best. Like if it was short and loud and perform well that's great um but then we'd have to make it short and perform well and Mm -hmm. and everything else and that goes back to the design things is you know the design team Kiska or there's other you know for KTM as the designers for the brand they design a bike on paper they don't really care and then it's up to us to make or up to the engineers to make it work Mm -hmm. so going back to the graphics is they don't really look at putting graphics on they just want to make a plastic piece so the mufflers and exhaust kind of follow that same suit they make mm-hmm. want to make it look a certain way um, I think KTM does a really good job of developing exhaust I mean I've taken trips to Europe for a week just working on exhaust mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and they take a lot of pride in them and then I've worked with FMF trying to beat that stuff yeah, for days yeah, and it's been tough like you're mm-hmm. kind of moving power around I think there's got to be a line you draw to where you, most consumers are probably going to buy the aftermarket exhaust. Mm-hmm. So where do you stop? Is it, is it putting money into a system? I mean, putting titanium exhaust on the bike when most consumers are going to maybe put a FMF or a Pro Circuit on. So yeah. um, I think all of the new bikes are are pretty good. I think yeah. you're going to be moving power around, but they're they're pretty good.
0: Yeah. Hey, I, one thing I thought of is um. Did you ever get any head shake on this bike today?
1: I didn't get any head shake on it.
0: Yeah, I didn't either. It was it was stable. Like, again, like, it didn't corner as well for me as I know that it can, just because the front end was a little firm. Um, again, I think because I think these bikes came so late, it's kind of my suspicion that Suzuki didn't get in and put duct tape all over them and break them in like they normally would. Like all other manufacturers, yes, do. yes, they do. You
1: manufacturers know? dyno them. They make sure they get yeah. the media, the right bikes, the the,
0: the ideal representation uh, of the stock yes, bike, exactly. Which is kind of unfair because the like, the guy that maybe buys one off the showroom floor might not get the Thursday night bike. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Friday but, evening. But regardless of that, I mean, I felt like I feel like this stuff might soften up as it breaks in. Yeah, and in like that being said, you know. Um, I know
1: that if you we, you picked this bike up last night,
0: yeah, five o'clock. So
1: you picking the bike up last night. We didn't have a Suzuki tech with us. Yeah, going over it. We we took it as you would as a consumer and put on a stand and check the tire pressure and off we went. We didn't mm-hmm. have we didn't have someone you know measuring sag and doing this. Like we we really did it pretty raw the day and both of us had a good um, good day riding first and foremost. And and learn some stuff about that new bike that yeah. hopefully later we can, the more we put time on it we can give some more feedback on what we did to improve it.
0: Yeah, I think the most imper- uh, impressive thing that you said to me today was, I could race this thing stock.
1: Yeah, I would come yeah. out to a Trans World Motocross in the 250 Pro class in that new Vet Pro Vet yeah. 250 class, yeah. and race it because this bike can handle speed. So, like, if now that being said like, this a chassis can handle speed it's got enough power to do the obstacles I want to do and it's fun mm-hmm. that three letter word fun it was a fun bike to ride at corner great I didn't have to really compromise anything oh uh, it turned great but the motor slow well I like a turning bike you know it the motor ran good really good it wasn't a Yamaha engine yeah this is the chassis was for me at 165 in my speed I'd say I'd, I'd say at eight out of ten like mm-hmm. it was it worked quite well yeah um so for me i w- i could go race this thing at a local race um and be confident over jumping stuff into breaking bumps and putting it in positions that i i would rather sometimes not but it would save me because the stability of the chassis
0: yeah yeah i think i, w- I would say i, would, I could race as well i would maybe play around the clickers on the forks a little bit more to get some comfort um I would change the grips. I didn't really care for the grips today. They're kind of big. Um, But, yeah. I mean, overall, pumped on the bike. Yeah. Can't wait to ride it back-to-back. I mean, we rode it back-to-back with two other brands today. Yeah. But, you know, we we didn't have the uh, Austrian bikes or the uh, Yamaha here. But, uh, you know the toyota escondino mobile podcast studio can only fit three bikes in the back
1: <laughs> yeah you, you were loaded down this the podcast studio was loaded down today and you look like we, sanford and sons we were busy and it was uh you know in, inside line connected a great job for the, us today and gave us a good track with kahia and uh, i'm excited for the 17th to let everyone know how this shootout goes down
0: yeah so uh well, hey, uh, that's uh, those are our thoughts about our first day on the RMZ 250 2019 bottle model, model. Um, again, we do have our 250 shootout coming up on the uh 17th, which is day one. Um, we will uh, probably get together, me, you, and I'd say Pat Foster. Yeah, we'll get together and talk well, about the bikes after the first day of testing and uh, fill you guys in so, um. Again, the this uh, podcast show is something new for me, something I'm trying. I would appreciate feedback, whether it's emails, uh comments in the posts, chat, uh, you could even DM me on Instagram if you want that yeah,
1: uh, feel free to DM me on social media or get a hold of me if you have any questions about the bike as well. i I do my best to reach out to yeah. any of these any of the models you hear me talking about at TransRail to make your guys' riding experience as fun as ours.
0: So yeah, so uh yeah, Mike Sleater, at Sleet Dog D A W G. Yeah. Right. So uh
1: Rob Salcedo did me that back in the shift days, yeah. So
0: <laughs> nice. I, well hey, thank you for listening and uh yeah, if you liked it, if you like the show be sure to uh, subscribe to us on uh iTunes, Spotify or Stitcher. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Swap Motor Live podcast show presented by Ogio and hosted by my dad, Don Mera. Thanks for listening.